0: Filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. How off the press, Leia Healthcare
1: have just recently released the findings of their Workplace Wellbeing Index 2023, one of Ireland's largest studies among Irish employees and employers in the workplace. This research surveyed a 1,000 employees in Ireland across a range of sectors, polled 200 HR leaders across Ireland, and also conducted a range of in-depth interviews. And to talk to us about the findings of this research, we're delighted to be joined again by Sinead Prose, Head of Health and Wellbeing at Leia Healthcare. Thanks for joining us again, Sinead. How are you?
2: Very well. Good to be here. Thank you.
1: That's brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Liam Barton, HR consultant, senior HR consultant, Liam, sorry, here at Inside HR. How are you? Very good, on. brilliant stuff. So look, we'll jump right in, Sinead. And look, it's hard to believe it's been a year already since we since we last spoke about this stuff, but delighted to have you back. So can you give us a bit of a quick overview, Sinead, of, I suppose, key findings from the piece of research? What's new this year? Anything jumping out to you?
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Owen. And this is the fourth year that we've carried out this research. So you remember back in, in the day when we, were, we went into the pandemic, we, we started this research in 2020, June 2020, published it in October, and now this is the fourth year. And it's really to understand you know what employers are struggling with but also what opportunities there are for people management and well-being as part of their culture and also for employees people at work what they're expecting now because the world has changed so much um, as we work in this hybrid world and there's so much flexibility and how do we manage that right so i would say I mean, there's a lot coming out of the research, right? Um, and that that report is available to download for anybody. You don't have to be a lay health member. It's on our website. Just go in there, download it and it's available. And we really want people to access that because there's some great nuggets and insights in there. But I would say there's three things, Owen, in particular, that have come out. Um, and one of them, so the first one is about um, we're starting to see more intense anxiety in the workplace. Okay. and I suppose I would preface that by saying uh, the, the, the good news is that more people feel like they can talk to their employer about their mental health or their mental unwellness, right? That was at 46 percent when we started this research back in 2020. That's now at 70 percent. That's a really good thing, right? We, we got to be proud that this is something that was really more taboo before the pandemic and whether it's pandemic related or just the fact that we've just been better at being able to put supports in place and discuss this that is really good however there is more intense anxiety coming through we see a doubling of that in the last year Last year, financial well-being was the first time we saw coming through under the umbrella of mental well-being. We've seen that in our occupational health. We've seen it in our 24-7 mental well support program. And it came out really strong on the research. So you had the Ukraine, Ukraine crisis, rising cost of living and, um, you know, interest rates going up um, mortgage rates going up. People not having as much money in their pocket as they did the year before, even though they're getting pay increases and all that kind of good stuff. So that's still there that was 80% last year at 71% it's slightly coming down but it's still there so that's definitely something that needs to be addressed that's one the second thing is bridging the wellbeing gap for women so this is where we really start to see women speaking out about they want more flexibility in the workplace they want more policies around fertility and menopause and there's some fabulous examples of companies that were discussing their journeys on that in, in the summit Really, if you get a chance to listen to some of those panel discussions, Bank of Ireland, uh, Stephanie from Retail in Motion, they were so moving, they were so emotional, they were so genuine. You know, people coming with their own personal stories and then stories of where their employer had put a policy in place and that was really able to help them on their journey. So really fantastic there. And I think the third one, which we're struggling with and needs to be addressed, and we're all kind of understanding how to do that a little bit as employers, I think, is the connecting of lone workers. So this is where, you know, you have this wonderful culture, you have this wonderful company, and you really only get to experience the culture when you're engaging with the people. And that means going to work to a physical place and meeting and that whole social interaction is so important. When you have fully remote workers, they are in effect sitting behind a computer in a room in their home. And that's how they're experiencing the culture of the organization, which is very, very different to being in a buzzy environment, you know, that's conducive to innovation. And I don't know, you know, those water cooler moments, as we talk about always and socialization. So that is definitely something we're starting to see come through in terms of how companies are trying to use their hybrid working policy to foster collaboration, to have Maybe not mandated days, but days where they say, you know what, if if you want to get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of meeting people, come in on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and, um, you know, monthly lunch and learns, but you have them physically on site. So lots of little great, nothing really majorly strategic, but just tactical plays to really ensure employee engagement in this new world that we're living in. So I think they were, if I was to summarize, they were the, the key findings from research. Home. 100
1: percent great to hear Sinead, and I think as I said we did have I did personally have a look through the report obviously in advance of this fantastic report. So we will make sure to link to to that and to summit in the in the show notes and any any stuff we put out there about this episode. So do keep an eye out for that. I suppose Liam, kind of question for yourself then. And I know we spoke on another topic actually earlier in the week about how things from society do feed into the workplace. But Liam, a lot of the things Sinead has said there, would they be reflective of kind of what we're hearing? There's a lot of stuff there around policies, culture. A lot of crossover there. I, well, I say crossover in the the light terms There's a lot of direct stuff that we'd see too, isn't there?
3: There is one, and I, I think Sinead's, um, I suppose, introduction was was fascinating in terms of the report and you know some of the the themes that she's talking about, which are reflective in society and are reflective of many of the client queries that we get at Insight HRO taking the first point, I mean, intense anxiety. You know, we can see that manifest itself that you know, I've got an employee, their level of performance has reduced, their level of engagement with their colleagues has reduced. I'm having customers ring me about this particular employee who had been wonderful for 20 years and all of a sudden customers aren't feeling that they're being connected with or served as well as they were over the last uh, 15 to 20 years. So that's a massive issue. And I think it's a massive issue in terms of if, if we look at these are some of the challenges, Owen, let's take the next step. How, how do we support businesses in terms of um, addressing them? Um, I think some line managers, own are better equipped and are better served to have those type of conversations than others. And I think businesses and organizations really need to empower their managers, their, their HR departments, and also their, their managers within different departments to be comfortable and confident in having these types of conversations. Um, And emotional intelligence is important. Empathy is important. Problem solving. Communications. Um, So very often, and you and we are doing these podcasts for a long time now, we we would have spoken about, you know, let's make the most skilled electrical engineer the manager. Let's make the most skilled technician the manager. And unfortunately, sometimes what, what happens is, well, what about, what about what's what's his or her people management skills like how how comfortable would they be in a situation where an employee presents with intense anxiety and at, at work? How would they be able to handle uh, that type of situation? if there was one employee who was suffering from intense anxiety, who had conflict with another employee, how well positioned or equipped would they be to handle that type of conflict? Um, what would their their problem solving skills be like? Um, so I think, there's no doubt, um, I, I agree with what everything Sinead is saying, interestingly on the financial well-being, we're seeing more and more pressure on wages and salaries. Um, and the reason for that, I think, is the cost of living has just increased and increased and increased. Um, the, the whole housing stock or lack of housing stuff. So, you know, I've had client calls where, you know, um, this particular employee, Liam, is looking for another 20,000 per annum know i i can't afford to give them another but he's becoming really you know quite assertive and quite frankly he's almost in my office every day of the week how do i deal with that and you know the, the the company can't necessarily i think solve those type of problems i think what they can do is fair pay a fair market rate and an appropriate market rate and provide other possible advisory financial supports uh, to the particular employee because at the end of the day there is only so much the employer can do and I think it's about in line with what Sinead is saying identifying the trends providing support and providing some of the tools that can allow employees and their families to be better equipped in these in these areas really you know
1: Definitely so let's dig a little more into that and I was going to say next question here so Sinead but there's probably a couple of statements sprinkled in with a couple of questions so just kind of to get your thoughts on it really on that kind of Anxiety, mental health piece. As you said, it's something that is, I mean, the word used is intense. It's coming in through in the survey, which is sad to hear, but great to hear that people are talking about it. I suppose Siné, mental health kind of been on the radar for a couple of years and probably always will be, to put it lightly. um, I mean, we probably saw little hints last year around the financial wellness piece and the war in Ukraine, just stresses like that um, that have come through. Just any kind of thoughts on, I mean, the lay of the land with that whole mental health anxiety piece, what we can do. Again, a wide open question, but any thoughts on it?
2: Just listening to what Liam is saying, right. And From a health perspective, there's a big difference between being stressed and being anxious, right? And they're not to be bucketed in the same bucket. This is what I understand from our our clinical uh, partners at Cognate Health. We're very, very clear saying, you know, stress can be a good thing right, it gets you out of bed in the morning, it gets you putting on clothes that make you feel good. You know, oh, you've got to be in work by a certain time. It motivates you and and mobilizes you into action. That's good. And sometimes a little bit more stress actually enhances your performance. Right. So it's really important when you're looking at people for your organization that they actually match your culture. So if you're in a high performing, high paced, dynamic environment, which is the environment I love to work in, you can almost question people for that. You can you can stratify people for that in the recruitment process. You can ask those questions, which you think is really, really important. Um, intense anxiety is something very, very different. That's that's a medical concern. right? As a manager, you're not trained to deal with that, but what you can do is have the training to understand what the triggers are and how to identify it right or how no not identify how to recognize it let's be really clear here how to recognize it in the workplace and once you've had that training then it's understanding well how do i signpost to is it occupational health is it 24 7 mental well-being support or is even 24 7 mental well-being support really not this because this seems to be going on for quite a while it might not be early intervention so How do I signpost this person who I know is not themselves, who I know is disengaged, who is definitely not um, acting in the way that I'm used to seeing them act? And this is where really, I would say, Lay Healthcare has developed in partnership with an awful lot of its corporate clients, those kind of health supports for the workplace, which is really, really important. So I think just being able to understand that, having the education around that and getting the signposting, really, really critical. Liam, we were even talking last week when we tried to get on this podcast and the technology Mm. failed us and now we're here again, right? And that conflict management piece, you know, people not feeling that they can have those difficult conversations. And I think when you're you're face to face with somebody or in person, you just have to eyeball somebody and you have to have those conversations. It'll come out naturally. When you are dealing with people through computers, there's, a, there's automatically a barrier, there's automatically a screen, and there's more hesitation to do it, and it's more difficult to do it. Like, I know I've been in those situations where I've had to have some of those conversations with some of my team, and I hate, and I, I always tell my children, don't use that word hate, but I hate having those conversations through a computer. I might I say, Let, let's, let's meet up for a coffee. And it's not always bad. Sometimes it's really constructive criticism that they need to hear for feedback, whatever, and I need to get it myself it's better to do that in person and i just think those that, that's difficult so i think there's a piece there in terms of understanding it own, realizing what it is if it's intense anxiety it's not stress yeah it's it's really being able to to have that have that training recognize the triggers and then be able to signpost into the um, into the right whatever it is trainings or or healthcare services that are available
1: 100 it's fantastic context because it is an important point so i'm glad to I'm glad to say to especially about that sign Peace piece where not the I suppose HR can't do absolutely everything, but there is a lot of there's a big role in this. So it's fantastic to hear that. Um I suppose the another thing that we've been speaking about a lot recently, going back to our webinar last month, or sorry, October, um, but also something that Sinead mentioned is indirectly kind of around the family friendly policies. I suppose we've seen a lot of those come to the floor, Liam, which is fantastic. Um and they're the kind of policies that can contribute almost directly to well being can't they? I know. Sinead mentioned the the, the well-being gap uh, for women, which is something I hope we'll jump into now as well on the back of this. But does any kind of thoughts on that, Liam? They are definitely policies that can make an impact, those family-friendly range of policies, aren't they?
3: There's no doubt about it, um, Owen. And I think if if we look at where we are in society now, if we crystal ball it, I mean, we've been around 4% unemployment, right? Um, we're going to need thousands more employees over the next number of years so the skills shortage and the lack of um candidates out there isn't something that's going to change very very soon um i would say so you know organizations are going to have to look at it both from a recruitment point of view in terms of attracting new and diverse talent how do we do that retaining your existing skill set and developing it how do we do that And I think you really need to look at, um, you know, what are the dynamics at play within, you know, my staff profile? How can I introduce more flexibility? How can I make my employees more dynamic? How can I get them to be better ambassadors or promoters of our organization? So if we were having a drink on a Friday night, what would we say about Insight HR? Um, If we were having a cup of coffee, um, if Sinead's colleagues were having a cup of coffee down at the local restaurant or creche or GA club, what would they be saying about Leah? So I think it's it's really, you know, you're going to, I think, be in a very, very competitive market. So I think on a number of levels, you've you've really got to do this and you've got to embrace it. And you've got to reach out and engage with your employees at every level and try and understand what are their, what's on their wish list. So as we're coming to to Christmas, they might as well do their wish list and say, well, look. And a lot, and I I find over the years, employees aren't really looking for that. I'm just looking for a bit of flexibility. Lean, you know. I I'd like to be able to start work, you know, sometimes at a quarter to ten, you know, as opposed to maybe a quarter past nine. Okay, well, you know, let's let's look at that. And I think if they're of the view that their their employer is culturally buying into that, because I think. You're absolutely right, Owen. We need to have the policies and procedures we need to support, but there needs to be the culture. So if the culture, like Sinead is, is saying, if the culture is, I'd feel comfortable talking to Owen about you know, looking about a different working arrangement. I think he'd be accessible. I think he'd be approachable. I think he'd, he'd take it on board. That gives an extra impetus. So if, if the policies are in place, but the culture is wrong, um, then you're going to have have issues, I think. So I think it's about having the policies and procedures in place, embracing flexibility, listening and engaging with employees, and then having the culture piece right. And I think if if organizations do that, it will easy, it'd be a lot easier to hold on to your existing staff, which is one of the major challenges facing employers in Ireland at the minute, and also the another one uh, recruiting new talent. And also diverse talent with talent coming from different backgrounds with different ideas and creativity. I think that will be incredibly helpful for organizations if they really embrace it all.
1: Definitely. as well kind of similar question to yourself, Sinead, just to talk about those kind of impactful policies. I mean, you mentioned a couple of things earlier on around the, the female well being gap, the gender well being gap there. We have spoken a lot about family friendly policies in recent months, which and it's important to distinguish between the two because it's twenty twenty three. Family policies aren't necessarily just for women. Let's be honest. But there's also other things that we're seeing. We're fa- seeing fascinating, best-in-class, impactful policies coming out there. So, any kind of thoughts on that? Maybe some in, incline or in, insights into what was in the the survey. But obviously, your own thoughts to go with that as well.
2: Yeah, I loved the way you said family is not just for women because that really came through very clearly in the summit. There was a, we had a wonderful so a few things right we will jump out, and you you just phrased it so well. On. We had Stephanie from Retail and Motion talk about her own fertility journey, okay, and spoke so openly about her own mental health and her journey to having issues with fertility and how they were linked. Incredibly emotive speaker and so genuine and so open. I think we were just, what a gift, you know, to share her story so openly. But her story was about the support she had from male bosses at work, right? So they knew that Stephanie was going to have her baby. Right. This was the most important thing for Steph. And when she was going through her fertility journey, they literally said, "Okay, Stephanie, I know you want to be in here. I know you're a real collaborative leader. You want to be in the middle of everything. We're sending you home to work remotely through your fertility journey because we don't want you to catch a cough nor a cold. We we know you're going to be immune compromised. We really want you to mind yourself. And we know you'll probably end up working even harder because that's the way you are. It's not about that. This is about you having a successful pregnancy and just showing that she's now through her journey she successfully had her uh, pregnancies and she's now in a workplace where she's bringing a policy into the workplace to allow to Liam's point the flexibility it's 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 so simple it's flexibility it's like can I continue to do my work but maybe in a different place or can I continue to do my work but maybe start a little bit earlier start a little bit late at the summit, right, it's so funny. We just got, I just got feedback email there from a colleague to say that some of the HR leaders at the summit said uh, they loved that Sinead mentioned that we started the summit at 10 o'clock because last year we started it at 9 o'clock, and a lot of the HR leaders couldn't make it because one of their non negotiables is I'm bringing my kids to school because I can. So they were like, my God, you listened and now you have the summit. And I said, well, well, look at the turnout. Like people came because they could. And I think as employers, it's about realizing what the value equation is based on those non-negotiables for people. And it will not be the same for everybody at all. Um, One thing that I'm very interested in is the menopause piece, right? And just to maybe touch on a few things on that that people may not know about people entering so women entering perimenopause and menopause are the fastest growing demographic in the workplace Liam talked about diverse people right you've got a lot of people who've raised their kids or they're at a stage where they are senior execs yeah they've done so well in their career and they're now entering a phase where their health is turning them into somebody that they don't recognize anymore okay and that is a reality for many 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 women 40 percent of those women will have symptoms of menopause. Ten percent of them will leave the workplace because they won't know how to deal with them. So having a policy that allows for flexibility and again, the health part of that, which is understanding the triggers. A lot of it is around self-reporting. Sumi Dunn, Dr. Sumi Dunn was our speaker at the summit on that. We had a wonderful panel discussion with her and she was saying having symptoms that you can self um declare is clinically valid right because sometimes we think oh I, I have to go to a doctor and i have to get a blood test and i have to be told you know yourself best right so you know when you're not performing at your best and when you're entering into this phase of your life it is a high possibility that it is because you're entering into this hormonal phase that's going to really impact right so having having that recognized, having the flexibility to be able to access that um, and I suppose trusting the provision of care that's there you know being able to have that seal of approval this has been endorsed by this is really going to help you get back on track whatever it is that you need whether it's i don't know physio support uh whether it's psychological support whether it's endo- an endocrinologist because you have to access hormone treatment so um We've come a long way on. There's some great examples. Bank of, America, Bank of Ireland, sorry, also a great example of a policy there that they talk to as well. So lots of great companies leading the way, uh, lots of great examples and still a long way to go, but some great examples to share and, and just try out.
1: Yeah, Definitely. It's great to hear all those. And I think the the words that people are going to write in their notes that they hear that, Sinead, are impact, trust, flexibility. So a lot of common themes in there, which is fantastic. So it's great to hear. Hear those stories. It always adds weight when you hear a an in-person kind of personal story just so that's fantastic. Um I'll jump back to you again Sinead just for another one of the topics we spoke about and there's so much we could speak about today so I would urge people to click on that report to get a full full sense of it. But one of the discussion points you mentioned Sinead again was the uh, loan workers, remote working. Um, I know we've, we've been talking about remote working for a couple of years now, a few years in different kind of connotations but can you talk to us a little bit more about those key results from the survey, key challenges, anything. I know we mentioned it already, but just to develop on it, just a small bit.
2: Yeah, it certainly started coming out in the research. It was really interesting. But we actually, we coined that phrase, it was together with uh, Paula Cogan from uh, Cognitive Health. Actually, we were here one night going, companies are coming to us for risk assessments, right, and health surveillance. And that's typically something from an occupational health perspective you get in pharmaceutical industry, manufacturing uh you have chemical exposure you may have loud noise in manufacturing so it's really making sure that the working environment isn't negatively impacting on your health if it's an office-based environment it's typically ergonomics right um and what was really interesting was paula saying oh my god sinéad we have all these remote workers now and they're we're being asked for a health surveillance or uh um a type of risk assessment right that we can do to really understand the impact that the working environment is having on this person and we always want to do that holistically so it's not always physical it's also mental it's also socially and she said you know what i'm what i'm actually looking at is the risk assessment we do for people who are on shifts right they're on they're kind of doing the night shift in a factory they're on their own it could be security we'll say right so you kind of go, well, what if there's a fire, what if there's an alarm, what if something happens, this person is a lone worker, they're on their own, they're kind of responsible for dealing with anything that's going to happen, and you hope to God there's not going to be a crisis, but they have to be trained on that, they have to be okay knowing that that's kind of the risk they take in taking on that role, and they need to know that, that they're okay with that if anything happens. And it started us thinking about, wow, well, actually, that's the type of risk assessment, probably, that's that we would look at as a template, as an exemplar, and say, how do you apply that now to people working fully remote remotely? And that makes you think very, very differently about, it's not just about ergonomics.
1: 100% there's so much to that. Um, Liam, straight over to yourself for that one, then I think anything jumping out from that lone worker kind of perspective? Because I'll be honest, that's something I hadn't really thought about it's another audience, another group of employees. Isn't it? any kind of things jumping out to you about those kind of findings Anything that Sinead said there?
3: There is a number of points and it's mixed both in terms of what Sinead said in the last piece, but also in her earlier piece, in terms of when you're face to face with someone on, you get little opportunities to, to have a little conversation and, you know, in those moments, you can give constructive feedback or you can say, well, listen, how, how are you doing? How are things going? So on and so forth. Sinead is right. It's so much more difficult to do that remotely over teams, over or, because the connection is different. And the conversation you will have on face to face with someone in an office or over a coffee or over a tea is different to the one you're going to have with them over teams or over over MS Teams or Zoom or, or whatever it may be. So I think there's a very, very important piece. I, I, I'd i love to see the difference in cultures and organisations, what the culture would have been a number of years ago when people were, broadly speaking, head office based and, and face-to-face based more often, to now remote and to see you know what the difference within cultures and, and organisations are. I think we need to support employees. Uh, there's a couple of things. I think We need to build in um, an understanding that remote working isn't a utopia. Um, There are challenges. There are problems. Um, Some of the problems are around engagement. Some of them are around communications. um, Some of them are around people feeling that connection with with their colleagues and how we continue to kind of support that and maintain it. I I think I have a couple of examples of clients who've who've done different things and one or two of them spectacularly backfired and they decided, we'll bring everyone back into the office for a day. And then there was a lack of communication and people were in the office almost by themselves. They said, Well, hold on a minute. I've I have i have commuted forty-five to fifty minutes to come into the office. I'm here by myself with 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 Bob, um, you know, the warehouse operative, but sure, he's down in the warehouse and I'm up three flights of stairs in the finance department or wherever it is. So I think there's a couple of things we need to understand what is the proposition in terms of why are we saying we'll bring you I tell you what we'll do, we'll bring you into work two days a week. Um that's for collaboration, it's for teamwork, it's for communication. And here's what you'll get out of it. You know, so why would you jump into your car in wherever or car or public transport or whatever it is and travel to work to your to your head office, to your your shared location and um, you've got to be getting something out of that interaction that's different to your remote working and um, so I, I i think some of it is around communication some of it is around organization some of it might be um a, a manager of a department saying okay you know next tuesday we're all planning to be in here for the lunch and learn i need everyone in here you know that's really really important it's the one day this month that we all come together so I need to see everyone everyone here. Um, there are various health and safety obligations on those organizations from a health and safety point of view in terms of loan working and having a communication system as well. So I, I think it's really, really un- important that we want flexibility. The majority of people want some level of remote working or, or, or hybrid working. There's no doubt there's a demand. There's a simultaneous sort of conflicting demand on For the the younger generation, we want remote working, we want flexible working patterns, but we also want to be in head office, right? Because graduates want that connection and face-to-face interaction, both with people of their their peers, but also with people very senior within the organization, because there's a political roadmap for them to spend time with someone who's learned the business or the industry and to be mentored by them face-to-face and to learn some of the the things that you won't see on a team's meeting, and sort of the, um, I suppose the, um, the, the sort of softer rules in terms of how you engage with people from a, a customer service point of view or from a, um, a collegial point of view. So I think there's a lot in that piece. I, I think it's important that we recognise as a starting point. Um, lots of organisations when COVID hit went immediately to a remote working. Now people have found their ground in terms of hybrid, sometime in the head office, and more flexible working. That's the future. It's here. It's not going to go back to the model of 10, 15 years ago. But I think we need to understand and talk to our our employees and make sure that we're supporting them so that they're not isolated because people could become isolated very easily. Um, so I think that's that's a really, really important piece that... Um, organizations would want to be measuring and tracking on a monthly, monthly basis really on, you know.
2: Oh, and just can I just, just what, Liam, what resonates so much with me, with what you're saying is, and it's something actually that our our newly appointed director of people and culture, Eric O'Leary, spoke to in this summit and indeed last summit was, there's a difference in leadership that's required. And it's not about command and control. It's about command, trust and influence, right? And You got to think about how you do that, right? So you're right. There's different ways bringing people in and saying this is what you get out of it and those collaborative moments, which is great. But there's also those very, again, we go simple tactical plays like when's the last time you checked in with your team member? So make sure that you do that at least once a week. You know, you have a weekly check in and that it's like you're speaking to them, you know, and maybe you're even trying to have a coffee, trying to do that physically. Right. And also, If you're if you if you've kind of spent the whole day and you're working and you haven't really contacted anyone, it's just all being emails, teams, someone pick up the phone, you know, and I I heard somebody else saying they had a photo of their team, (laughs) kind of photos of people from their team on the wall. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But if they're there in front of you, you kind of go, oh, well, if they were over there, I'd kind of go, Mary or Liz or, you know, what are you up to? So why not pick up the phone and say, look, I'm working on this. If if you were in the office, I'd drop down to your desk. It's do you know what I like? It's it's, it's kind of reminding yourself that you are part of a team. If you were in the office, you'd just go over to someone's desk. Whereas when you're working remotely, there is that kind of I don't want to disturb somebody, which they're probably they're probably would be delighted for the disturbing. And then also it's watching the people who are maybe overly asking for help that need to. I think that was also Erica's point. You know, they're constantly reaching out, but they need to be empowered and need to have the tools to be able to work independently as well if they're going to be in that environment. So just a, just something to watch out for in terms of leadership and, and people management, I would say. Yeah,
1: Definitely. So I suppose kind of final big question that will come to both of you for and I'll come straight back to your session later, if that's the right ladies first, if you don't mind. Um, when it comes to then what HR teams, organisations can do and not to knock obviously a lot of the great efforts that are being put in by a lot of different companies out there, some of them you mentioned. What can we do to, I suppose, alleviate some of those stressors, resolve some of those well-being challenges? I mean, if we look at the results of the index, maybe next year and anxiety is down and there's a bit more gender parity on a lot of those things, what do you think will have got us there? I know it's probably a big question, but any kind of general thoughts?
2: No, it's a big question, but it's a very simple answer. Talk to your people and understand what they value, right? Mm. So communicate, communicate. Commun- go, all those, all those great surveys, the, the great places to work, healthy places to work. Willis Tower Watson, every you know, polling, going on your your internal comms, getting a pulse for your employees and doing that regularly throughout the year, and using that as a as little key milestones to see how are we coming, are we shifting the dial, but being really, really clear what it is that that they value. Right, it was interesting. Willis Tower Watson published their well being index uh, a little earlier than ours. And what they were seeing was employers value mental well-being supports the most because they think that's what their employees need. Employees value career development and financial well-being and flexibility, right? So it's also about saying, well, as an employer, I think this is what my people need because this is what I'm seeing. As an employee, this is what I value and being able to marry the two and just realizing that you have five generations in the workplace. So one size won't fit all. And I think if you do that, you'll probably get to a better understanding and stratify your workplace in terms of what's of value to them. So you should be able to see the dial shift. Maybe not straight away, but after a year, certainly start to see that and being able to track and measure that.
1: Brilliant, yeah. brilliant stuff. It's a very important point. And I suppose kind of same question to yourself then, Neem, when it comes to what we can do, make any changes, make any progress. I suppose, as Sinead said there, it's the more you know, really, isn't it? It's a great starting point to say the very least about it
3: yeah, I, I would echo everything that that Sinead has said, and I think listening and understanding on is so, so vital. and that if if employees see that their organization are committed in doing the right things, they will stay with that organization. If they see um, you know, I'm being asked my opinion, I'm not seeing a lot of change. I'm seeing a lot of strategy documents or I'm seeing the mission statement at the reception area, but it's not filtering through to me in terms of my wants and needs or concerns on the ground being addressed. I think the organization will run into problems. So I I very much echo in terms of engagement and taking the temperature gauge right across the organization and then coming up with a simple action plan to say okay these are the two or three key areas we're going to um, highlight whether that's financial well-being um whether that's i don't know communication uh, whatever the two or three areas these are the areas because sometimes you know organizations can try and do too much at the one time on and it becomes a little bit diluted so i think it it is okay for organizations to come back We've had the the employee engagement survey. We've listened very carefully. Over the next three months, here's our action plan. Let's buy into that and let's see after month four whether we've had an impact. And I I think if if organisations are very prescriptive and definitive in terms of some of the areas they're trying to tackle, uh, rather than being too much of a scattergun approach, I think they may have um, a better outcome um, as far as their, their employees are concerned.
1: And it goes back to that word that Sinead mentioned earlier many times, that impact word. So it's great to, great to see kind of a consistent thread through throughout the conversation. So really appreciate your time, Sinead and Liam. Thank you for a very enjoyable, practical, uh, useful discussion, I'm sure, for everyone that listened. Thank you everyone, obviously, for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. And so don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. If you are enjoying these episodes as much as I am, do please feel free to share them with colleagues, friends and family. And even better, if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're on, we'd really appreciate that too. And as always, for HR consultancy, services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Sinead, and thank
2: you, Liam. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Thanks,
0: Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room Podcast. The podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at InsightHR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.